nice to be with you once again for this new edition of Nightlight. On the program today, you're going to be meeting Daniel Clark, who will be speaking to us from Queensland, Australia. Daniel specializes in teaching and writing about end-time Bible prophecy. He's just completed a massive project, which he calls the End Time Seminar Series, and launched an End Time YouTube channel, and produced some terrific and much-needed end time tracks. I'll be asking him about those projects, plus some key questions related to the end time. So if you're interested in Bible prophecy, you've got lots to look forward to in this next one hour. End time news and views. Let's start with a song though, and here's one from Emmanuel Gilligan. This is a song I'd never heard before until I came across it recently. Truth Be Told.
band that's Emmanuel Gilligan not a new song but new to me as I hadn't heard it before until I came across it on the New Beat website at www.newbeat.org New Beat spelt N-U-B-E-A-T and that site is a terrific resource where you can download hundreds maybe even more than a thousand of a whole variety of different Christian songs Nightlight's Interview of the Week Well, the truth certainly needs to be told regarding the end time and what lies ahead for the world in the near and further future. In the Christian churches today, there's just so much erroneous, contradictory, vague teaching regarding Bible prophecy. Most people are very confused as to what it actually says about the future. I have a few trusted individuals who I've known and corresponded with over the years whose opinions and research into Bible prophecy I greatly respect and highly value. You've met Joseph Candell, of course, who's been on the show many times. This week, I want to introduce you to Daniel Clark, who's on the road speaking to us from his camper somewhere in Queensland, Australia. Nice to have you with us on the show, Daniel. Well, thank you, Simon, for having me on your program. Uh, as you know, we planned to do this interview a few months back, but I've been busy writing and completing the End Time Seminar series, which we could talk about later if you'd like in this interview. Yes, absolutely. I would love to, because this is a massive project that you've just finished, and I've been privileged to receive one of the first copies. I haven't yet had time to read the whole thing because it's just huge, but it looks terrific. So let's be sure to leave time for you to tell us about the End Time Seminar series before the end of the program. But first... For our listeners who are meeting you for the first time, and this is the first time you've been on Nightlight, please share a little bit about yourself, your background, your testimony in brief. Uh, Well, I was born in 1950, so I'm 68 now. Uh, I didn't grow up in a church-going family, although my mother did instill in me a faith in God and in Jesus. And my mother was a real awareness, had a real awareness of the spirit world, and she interested me in heavenly matters. But as for my story, up until about the age of uh, 28, I'd had my own real estate business, I'd been married, divorced, I'd done a lot of things, but in reality I was drifting about like a boat without a sail. I was seeking direction, I was looking for the meaning of life beyond worldly success. Then at the age of 28, that's when I asked Jesus to come into my heart, and I began to fellowship with Christians who displayed a faith beyond what you'd say the, the traditional form, you know, churchianity they really taught me how to witness and to how to win souls to jesus and then on my 30th birthday i I sensed the lord was calling me to serve him full time and within a year or so i was living by faith as a full-time missionary in asia and which i've done ever since i've been a missionary in various parts of the world and during that time when was it that you picked up a particular interest in bible prophecy uh, in March 1979, I think it was, I met some people who invited me to their home for dinner and then they gave me a Daniel chapter 2 class. And through that class, I realised that we, we were living in the end times and it was that night that I got saved. I sincerely prayed a simple prayer and asked Jesus to come into my heart. That's all I did. And then from that moment on, from that time on, I really took an interest in uh, end time prophecy. Daniel 2 Uh, It really sparked my interest to know more about end times. Well, I have a number of questions to ask you about the end times. But before we get into that topic, I think our listeners would be interested to know that you were the one who worked it out for me to interview Dr. Kent 
Hovent on Nightlight because you were working with Dr. Hovent on his Dinosaur Adventureland project in the USA. How did that opportunity come about? Well, the opportunity to come uh, go and work with uh, Kent Hovind came about and when I, while I was watching uh, YouTube in about March 2006. I was living in China at the time, but it was I came as clear as a bell to me. I heard the Lord say, I want you to go there. Well, I wrestled with the idea for a few days, Simon, but uh, then suddenly the the air, the funds for the airfare came in in an ex- unexpected windfall. So uh, I knew that the Lord really wanted me to go there. And that was the very day that also that uh, somebody had donated 150 acres of beautiful rural land in Alabama uh, so that Kent could uh, develop his dinosaur adventure land vision. And as a further confirmation, the Lord wanted me to go there. Uh, Kent was asking for volunteers to come and help and to develop his uh, project. So soon after, I was on my way. And how was the experience? What did you take away from your time with Kent Hoven? Uh, Well, Simon, I spent a a year there from um, mid-2016 to mid-2017. And during that year, I was blessed to see many miracles of the Lord's suppliers. I saw Dinosaur Adventure Land begin to take shape, all with the help of a fluctuating team of volunteers from across the United States and, and from all around the world, from Russia and England and far all over the place. And it was truly an experience of a lifetime. But one of the best things that I remember is uh, the evening Bible studies, which uh, they still get aired every evening on YouTube on uh, Kent Hovind Official. That's uh, Kent Hovind Official on YouTube. And um, Dr. Hovind and I might slightly disagree with uh, some points concerning end time, but I deeply respect the man. His teachings on creation versus evolution are unparalleled and unbeatable, I might say. Yes, absolutely, I agree. But they've helped to open the eyes of the blind and turn many to the truth concerning creation, which in turn has uh, won many souls to the Lord. So, uh, So while I was there, the Lord gave me this little song, uh, Dinosaur Adventureland, which is like a little ditty, a little theme song. Would you like to hear it, Simon? <laughs> yes, of course, absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to. Go ahead. Well, the property Dinosaur Adventureland is set uh, in a beautiful rural part of Lenox, uh, Alabama. And um, somebody said one day to me, they said, oh, gee, this is such a beautiful place. It's just like one step from heaven. And then this song came straight away to me. Dinosaur Adventure Land, having all the fun we can. One step from heaven at Dinosaur Adventure Land. Dinosaur Adventure Land, having all the fun we can. One step from heaven at Dinosaur Adventure Land. Learning all about creation, from Adam to the flood. Learning all about salvation and God's eternal love at Dinosaur Adventure Land, having all the fun we can. One step from heaven at Dinosaur Adventure Land. Dinosaur Adventure Land. Dinosaur Adventure Land. <laughs> Thanks, Daniel, so much. That's terrific. Hey, you need to sing at least one more song before the end of the show. Nightlight, keeping you in tune with the times. Daniel, let's get back now to the main topic of the program today, which is the end times. What's your take on the end times? For instance, how far 
do you think that we are into the end times? And how do we know that we're living in the end times at all? Well, Simon, prophecy proves that we're living in the time of the end. Daniel 12.4 tells us that in the time of the end, many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. And over the past few decades, we've seen unprecedented increase in scientific and technological uh, knowledge, as well as fast global travel. And uh, the prophet Nahum, this is very interesting, the prophet Nahum had visions of uh, what the world would be like in the last days uh, when Jesus is preparing to return. Uh, Nahum described that the chariots, that's cars, shall roar in the streets with their headlamps beaming like the lightning as they speed along the broadways, bumping into one another. That's a perfect picture or a perfect description of what we see all over the world today. And so there can be no doubt that we're living in the time of the end. But your question was, how far are we into the end times? Well, Daniel 2.44 says that Jesus will return in the days when ten kings are ruling the world. Now, we've got to remember that the Bible, when it's speaking about political leaders, they're referred to as kings. Uh, and in Daniel chapter 2 and other related chapters in the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation, we discover that in the last days when Jesus returns, uh, there will be a governing council of ten kings ruling over the world or over all the governments of the world. These ten kings are depicted as toes in uh, Daniel chapter 2 and as horns in other related prophecy chapters. This will be the structure of the soon coming new world order. Prophecy tells us that the whole world will be under the rule of ten kings when Jesus returns. Now we might think that's a very unlikely scenario to have all the governments of the world subject to a council of ten kings. But a notable globalist elite, uh, David Rockefeller, he said... uh, that all we need is the right major crisis to cause the nations of the world to accept the new world order. That's what we can expect to happen next along the end-time timeline, Simon. A major crisis or a series of events that will cause the nations of the world to accept the new world order with its governing council of ten kings. This major crisis might come in the form of war or financial disaster or even a mocked alien invasion, very possible there, or even a combination of some or all of these. But that's what we can expect to happen, to cause the nations of the world to accept the soon-coming new world order with its governing council of ten kings. Prophecy goes on to tell us that once these ten kings are in place, then another little king shall arise. Uh, He's uh, called the little horn in Daniel 8. Uh, He's going to arise and subdue three of those first ten kings until all ten kings give their allegiance to him as the supreme leader of the new world order. That little horn, king, he's going to be the Antichrist. He will begin as the one world leader who will later morph into the Satan-possessed Antichrist as described in Scripture. How is it described in Scripture? How will we recognize that the Antichrist is the Antichrist? Well, when the Antichrist comes on the scene, he may not appear as being so Antichrist. Uh, He's probably going to be a very charismatic world leader. Nevertheless, if we know our Bible prophecy we'll know what to look for and how to recognize the Antichrist. Firstly, Daniel 8 tells us that he will rise out of one of the four regions which Alexander the Great had ruled. But according to prophecy, he cannot be an Islamic Antichrist, as some speculate. For one thing, the Jews are going to receive him as their Messiah with Jewish ancestry. Remember, Jesus said in uh, John 5.43, I come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. If another shall come in his name, him you shall receive. Therefore, because the Jews didn't receive Jesus as the Messiah, they're going to be looking for their Messiah, and he's going to be the Antichrist. 
As to when he will arise, Daniel 7, 7 to 8 tells us that after the ten kings are in place, governing the new world order, another little horn shall arise after them. And this figure, he's going to be the Antichrist. And the same prophecy tells us that he's going to subdue three of these first ten kings until all ten kings give their allegiance to him as the supreme leader of the new world order. Elsewhere in Revelation 17.12, it tells us that these ten kings are going to rule the world under the Antichrist. Furthermore, Daniel 9.27 and Daniel uh, 11.31, together they tell us that this Antichrist figure is going to confirm a holy covenant with many for one week. That one week translates into seven years. Right. This action will then allow the Jews to rebuild their temple in Jerusalem. And that's a major sign that we can look out for. Simon, these are the uh, main signs in prophecy that help us to identify the Antichrist when he arises. Of course, there's a lot more that can be added concerning the Antichrist and his actions. Uh, maybe we could reserve those for another interview if you'd like, Simon. Yes, of course, that would be great. Of course, you only have time to skim the surface of these major topics on the show today. But let's take a break for a song, allow people to digest what you've shared so far. I've got lots of songs about the Antichrist, but this is one of my favorites, which... You have to listen carefully to the lyrics to get the full message. It's called Breakaway.
watching and listening to every word we say But beyond the satellites connecting to our heart It's a higher being, it's got something to impart He's breaking down the barriers to reflect his soul upon the words who want to come to That's always been one of my favorite end time songs. About 18 years old now, but still hugely relevant as the digital and technological shackles of the Antichrist New World Order become more and more evident. And the time draws ever closer to where God's children, if they want to survive, are going to have to break away from it as our guest Daniel Clark has done because he's speaking to us from his camper on the road in Queensland, Australia. I couldn't believe I'm sitting in my car in the hot uh, uh, Queensland sun beaming through in the afternoon. It's, I'm, I feel like I'm sitting in a sauna. We have a guest tonight on Nightlight. Daniel, let me ask you now about your new YouTube channel and the different end time tracks that you've been working on. Let's start with the YouTube channel. Yes, well, firstly, uh, my YouTube channel is called Jesus Explains. And basically, it, Jesus Explains is a presentation of prophecies received from Jesus concerning end times. So we know from Daniel 12.4 that the books of prophecy have been sealed up until the time of the end. But we also know from that passage that in the time of the end, knowledge shall be increased. And that includes a better understanding of concerning end time prophecy. And we know from Acts 2.17 and 18, I think it is, that the gift of prophecy has been made available to us in the last days, these last days. And we also know from uh, John 14.26, I think it is, that Jesus has promised to send us the Holy Spirit to teach us all things from God's Word, and that especially applies to end-time prophecy. Therefore, if we have faith to exercise and responsibly use the gift of prophecy, then we can use that gift to gain a lot of insight and understanding concerning end-time prophecy. We can begin to understand things that have never been understood by generations that have gone before us. Simon, we're living in the end times, and it's this generation who need to have a firm and better understanding of the events that are going to happen in the days ahead. And the Jesus Explains YouTube channel is simply one platform to allow Jesus to teach us about end times. Sounds terrific. Where can we find it on YouTube? To find my Jesus Explains YouTube channel, 
all they need to do is type in the numbers 000 Jesus Explains. So they just go 000 Jesus Explains and then they should find my channel. The light is always on with Nightlight. Nightlight. You're tuned in to Nightlight. Daniel, you've been really busy, not only with this Jesus Explains YouTube channel and the massive end time seminar project, but you've also produced some great new tracks, which is an answer to my prayers for some good new end time tracks to distribute. Tell us about those. Well, Simon, as you know, there's so much that can be said concerning end times, and I wondered how to squeeze it all into into a nutshell, so to speak, and without losing any of the necessary information. So I prayed and asked Jesus to help me to condense the main points down to fit into one gospel tract, which I've titled From Now to Armageddon and Beyond. That way, whenever I meet someone, I can at least give them a condensed point-by-point overview of the upcoming end-time events that span from now to Armageddon. And then if they want to know more, then they just refer to the links on the back of the tract, and then they can go to the Jesus Explains YouTube channel. Now, I'm sure that some people might have a question when you say that Jesus explains. How can you be sure that it's actually Jesus that is speaking to you? (laughs) Wow, that's a good question, Simon. Uh, How can I be sure when Jesus is speaking to me? Well, how can anyone be sure when Jesus is speaking to them? This is the very same question that's answered in the Jesus Explains YouTube channel. Jesus answers that question in, um, I think it's my prophecy, my gift of prophecy to my end time bride. That's right. But to answer the question here, how can we be sure that it's Jesus speaking to us and Jesus explains? It basically boils down to a matter of faith. Do we really believe what Jesus promised? I do. And Jesus said in uh, John 10.28 that his sheep will hear his voice and that we will know when it's Jesus speaking to us, say as compared to uh, the voice of our own thoughts. And in uh, John 10.5, Jesus added the guarantee that we will not take any notice of a stranger's voice, meaning that we will have discernment to know the difference between the Lord's voice and the voice of a deceptive spirit. I might add here, Simon, that uh, when I pray and use the gift of prophecy, I'm very desperate to ask Jesus to override my own thoughts and to protect me from wrongly being influenced by spirits or anything that's not of him. Also, I try or I test the spirits, as John taught us in uh, John 4, 1-3. So, Simon, I treasure the gift of prophecy and I pray desperately to handle the responsibility that accompanies the gift. In uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 3-4, Paul said that the gift of prophecy is to edify the church. And that is the focus of the Jesus Explains YouTube channel. It's to um, use the gift of prophecy by which the Holy Spirit can teach us and explain to us many of the mysteries concerning end times. I don't want to work out anything in my own wisdom. I only want the Holy Spirit to teach me. You're listening to an international edition of Nightlight, shining God's love light to the world. And on this international edition of Nightlight, I'm interviewing Daniel Clark, who's on the road in his camper in Queensland, Australia. Talking to him, it sounds like, from his car. 
Over the last while, Daniel, I've been following your emails back and forth with a Bible teacher who's promoting the doctrine that many of the prophecies in Daniel and Revelation, even Jesus' warning about fleeing Jerusalem when you see the abomination of desolation, that these have already been fulfilled in past history and there will be no Antichrist, no Third Temple, no last seven years. And a lot of this false teaching is centered around the interpretation of Daniel 9.27. I should maybe read it for our listeners. It says, And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Daniel, maybe, I know it has to be very brief because this is a huge topic, but maybe you could briefly explain both sides of this argument and why this new interpretation is not correct. I don't know if I can explain such an important thing in the uh, end-time prophecy so briefly, Simon, but I'll I'll give it a try. Now, some argue that the covenant uh, mentioned in Daniel 9.27 has been fulfilled when Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice for sin. As Christians, we we understand that this is true, that that, uh, we don't need any more sacrifice, that Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice, as Hebrews uh, 10.12, I think it is, rightly states. However, because the Jews have rejected Jesus, they still feel they need to have animal sacrifice for the forgiveness of their sins. And that is why the Jews are still waiting for their Messiah, so that they can rebuild their temple and resume their daily sacrifice. And a well-balanced scripture study makes it so clear, so really clear that this is what's going to happen in the last days before Jesus returns. Daniel 9.27 shows us that there is still one week to complete or seven years to complete to make the 70-year prophecy of Daniel 9.24-27 complete, a seven-year period which we refer to as Daniel's 70th week. That's still on the the end-time timeline, still to happen. And a balanced uh, scripture study makes it very clear that it is during those first, the first half of that seven years that the Jews are going to rebuild their temple in Jerusalem and resume their daily sacrifice. Then in the midst of the week, in the middle of those last seven years, the Antichrist is going to cause the daily sacrifice to cease so that he can sit in the temple and be worshipped as God and above all that is called God, as Paul explained in 2 Thessalonians 2.4. Matthew 24, Jesus made very clear that it's in the middle of of Daniel's 70th week is when the Great Tribulation begins. And that is when the Antichrist will persecute all faiths, including Jews, Christians, Catholics, Muslims, and all Eastern religions, and all other faiths. So we can dismiss the idea that uh, the Pope's going to be the Antichrist, as some proclaim. It's just not going to happen, according to what the Word says. Rather, the Word tells us that during the three and a half years' Great Tribulation, That's the last half of Daniel's 70th week, the last 1,260 days, that the Satan-possessed Antichrist is going to demand that all the world worship him as God and receive his 666 mark in their right hand or forehead. And then refusal to comply, Simon, that's going to mean the death penalty. But compromise and receiving the mark of the beast will mean facing the wrath of God. So that's going to be the temptation that's going to come upon all the world, as mentioned in uh, Revelation 3.10, I think. 
Therefore, to wrap this up, Simon, it seems very unwise and not in harmony with overall scripture for any Christian to hold the viewpoint that Daniel's 70th week has been fulfilled. Unfortunately, some have not heeded the warning of Jesus gave and that of Paul also that in the last days many false teachers shall arise and shall deceive many. Sadly, some Christians are professing themselves to be wise and become foolish by holding to the unscriptural belief that there will be no final seven years, no third temple, no antichrist and no great tribulation. In so doing, they have thrown away the essential navigational equipment from which a wise Christian will gain their end-time bearing, Daniel 9.27. So if I can recap on all this, Simon, in Matthew 24, when the disciples asked Jesus, what shall be the sign of your coming? He referred them to Daniel 9.27 and Daniel 11.31 and said that when you see the abomination spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, that's the yet-to-be-built third Jewish temple, then that's when the great tribulation will begin. Then in Matthew 24.29-31, Jesus told us that immediately after those days of tribulation, that's when the rapture shall happen. I'm sorry, Simon, if I get a little bit hot under the collar when discussing this, but it makes me hot under the collar. You know, we're about to enter the world's darkest hour, the darkest period this world has ever known or will ever know. And foolish Christians just want to have their ears tickled with false doctrines, like the pre-tribulation left-behind doctrine. That is such a sickening doctrine, Simon, something that is undernourishing the body of Christ and leaving her anemic and ill-prepared for the days ahead. It's time for weakened Christians to get off that formula milk of pre-tribulation doctrine get seriously into the meat of the word so that the end time bride of Christ shall have strength to endure until the end Shining bright in the dark night you're listening to Nightlight Maybe this is a good place to take a break for another song and well how about another one of yours Daniel with your acoustic guitar there This one's called uh, All the Circles of My Life and it's being recorded on the road as we go. All those birds you can hear in the backgrounds there are lorikeets, Australian rainbow lorikeets. Beautiful bird. All the circles of my life, from beginning to the end, all the roads I've ever travelled brought me back to you again. All the roads that's often travelled is a road for beaten men But the road that's rough and rugged Becomes a teacher and a friend And I don't know if I'd choose this road That brought me to my knees But off and down and looking up Just helps me, Lord, to see That the circles of my life From beginning to the end or the roads I've ever traveled brought me back to you again. All the highways, all the byways, all the streets and all the bends, all the bridges that I've crossed brought me back to you again. For the road that's often travelled is a road for beaten men, 
But the road that's rough and rugged becomes a teacher and a friend. And I don't know if I'd choose this road that brought me to my knees. But off and down and looking up just helps me, Lord, to see that the circles of my life from beginning to the end all the roads I've ever traveled brought me back to you again. We have a guest tonight on Nightlight. Daniel, there's no doubt that we're entering into dark days and troublesome times ahead. But beyond that, what do we have to look forward to? What happens after the second coming of Jesus? Well, to answer this, Simon, I'll refer to what I call the mysterious days of Daniel 12, 11 and 12. Here's what the passage says. Daniel 12:11 And from the time the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation set up there shall be a thousand 290 days that's an extra 30 days past the 1260 days of the great tribulation but wait there's more <laughs> sound like a uh, you're going to get some steak knives with this there's an extra 45 days past that 30 days and uh, Daniel 12:12 12, 12 adds Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the thousand three hundred five and thirty days. In other words, one thousand three hundred and thirty-five days. Measured from the same time, from the middle of the week, when the daily sacrifice is taken away. So that's an extra thirty days, and then another forty-five days past the time that the rapture happens. So seventy-five days in total past the time when the rapture happens. Now remember... The rapture happens immediately after the 1,260 days. So you get 1,260 days, then 30 days, and then another 45 days. Now, we have an extra 30 days and an extra 45 days with no mention in Scripture for what the purpose of those days is. There's no mention in Scripture what those 30 days and the extra 45 days are for. That's why I refer to them as the mysterious days of Daniel 12, 11 and 12. There's no in scripture where you can actually find what those days are for. But that mystery is not past finding out. And Simon, this is nothing that can be solved with the wisdom of man. I'm always encouraged with Daniel 2, 47, where the prophet Daniel said, There is a God in heaven that reveals secrets. And I also like the passage uh, what Jesus prayed in Matthew eleven twenty five to 27. Jesus prayed and thanked his Father in heaven that he hides these things from the wise and the prudent and reveals them unto babes. Simon, I've learnt that we cannot lean to our own understanding to figure out many of these mysterious matters concerning end-time prophecy. I've found that we've got to be prayerful, patient and solely dependent on the Holy Spirit to teach us how to piece together the end-time jigsaw. Therefore, to understand the mysterious days of Daniel 12, 11 and 12, we need the Holy Spirit to teach us these things. From balanced scriptures through Revelation 7, Revelation 15, Revelation 16 and Revelation 19, we can get a clear picture that during those 30 days found in Daniel 12, 11, that's when the vials of wrath are going to be poured out upon earth, while the resurrected saints are in heaven enjoying the marriage supper of the Lamb. 
We discover from Revelation 16:12 to 16 that the sixth vial drives the river Euphrates to prepare the way for the battle of Armageddon to follow. Then from Revelation 19:11 to Revelation 23, we discover that after those 30 days when the marriage supper of the Lamb takes place, while the vials of wrath are being poured out upon earth, in uh, Revelation 19:11, Jesus mounts up on his white horse and the armies of heaven... Now, they're the saints. They're not angels, as some proclaim. Angels don't ride horses. They fly. But the saints, according to Jude 1.14, mount up on white horses to return with Jesus to earth to cut those days of trouble short. Remember in uh, Matthew 24, I think it's 22 or 24, Jesus said, except those days be short, uh, cut short, there should no flesh be saved. Now, we as Christians, we don't need our flesh saved. We get a resurrected body when Jesus comes back. So whether we die in Christ or whether we're here and alive and remain when Jesus comes back, we're going to receive a resurrected body. So we don't need our flesh saved. So this is what this is talking about. So when Jesus and the saints return, they're going to cut those days short so that the Antichrist and his forces won't kill off the last remaining humans that are opposing him. That's when the 45-day battle of Armageddon takes place during those extra 45 days calculated in Daniel 12, 11 and 12. This is when Jesus will restore the kingdom of Israel. And that is when our prayer is going to be answered. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the bright future that lays ahead of us beyond the dark days ahead, Simon. But Simon, we're going to have to first endure the darkness so that we can truly appreciate the light when it comes. Scripture says that the millennial reign of Christ on earth will be a time of great peace, plenty and prosperity for all who love and serve Jesus. That's the bright future that we have to look forward to past the dark days ahead. A thousand years of peace on earth Just around the corner lies A time when love will reign supreme our dreams will then be realized To be so close to that special one And have the world beneath our feet There will be no more sorrow or pain All wars at last will then have ceased our dream come true We're standing at forever's door Oh, do what you can do And we'll be ready for it The golden age we've waited for In the dark the world has lain Waiting for one special day The golden sun will rise at last And chase the shades of night away How bright the light when that morning dawns How much better things will be Best of all, we'll be face to face with the sun eternally. Oh, it's our dream come true. 
off to John Lisson at his studio in Japan for remastering that classic song of Mick Fridley, The Golden Age of the Millennium, the dawn of which draws ever closer. Daniel, it's been great to have you on Nightlight. Thanks for all you've shared. Anything else you'd like to say before we close? Uh, yes, Simon. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the, our interview, uh, that I've been busy writing and preparing the End Time Seminar Series. It could be studied in a group setting or studied by an individual and it can be covered at any pace. I might like to add, Simon, that uh, the End Time Seminar series is supported, fully supported with scripture references throughout King James Version, and uh, it's got a very easy-to-understand timelines and illustrations throughout. Absolutely. It's terrific, a real masterpiece. Well, the aim of the course is to make the teaching and learning experience about End Times as easy and enjoyable as possible. Daniel, thanks so much for all you shared, and I'm already looking forward to hosting you again on the show. I look forward to that. Thanks, and God bless. Well, thank you, Simon, for having me on your program. It's been a blessing and a, and a delight to me. Thank you. Inspiring you to draw closer to God. You're listening to Nightlight. Well, I see that I do have a little more time on the show, so maybe this would be a good time to introduce you to a new, well, new to me, author and Bible scholar from the 19th century that I was introduced to recently when someone sent me a box of ooh, 10 books by a writer I'd never heard of before, B.W. Newton. He lived for most of the 19th century between 1807 and 1899. Anyway, I started to look through these large volumes and I thought, whoa, this is really good. This supports everything that I've been taught concerning Bible prophecy, plus a lot more. And I was particularly interested in Newton's teachings on the millennium, because this is a topic I've been thinking and praying about filming a documentary on in Jerusalem, maybe next year. So receiving this box of books by Newton, Benjamin Wells Newton is his full name, from an anonymous donor, sure seemed like a confirmation that the Lord wanted me to work on this documentary. Part of my ministry has been to record classic Christian authors like Charles Spurgeon, J.C. Ryle, and make their teachings easy to listen to for our modern generation. And it seems that the Lord has now added B.W. Newton to my list. I could never have time to record all of his books, so I'm marking key passages and quotes that I can share with you on Nightlight or produce a devotional audiobook of them or podcasts. I'm not exactly sure. But in the short time left, as I've got the time, I'm going to give you a foretaste of more to come from B.W. Newton. Here's a passage from his AIDS 
to prophetic inquiry in which he talks about the difference between this age the millennium and the new heaven and the new earth and let's sweeten it with a little bit of background music It is needful to distinguish very carefully between the millennial period and the dispensation that succeeds, a dispensation called in Scripture the dispensation of the fullness of times, when new heavens and a new earth will be created. The millennial earth, although visited and reigned over by Christ and the risen saints, who will themselves dwell in heavenly places not made with hands, will still be essentially the same earth as that in which we now dwell, inhabited by men in unredeemed bodies liable to sickness and death. Men who, even when sanctified by grace, will still have to say, as believers now do, that in them that is in their flesh no good thing dwelleth. The removal of Satan and his temptations will not change the character of the flesh, the mind of the flesh, which is not subject to the law of God neither indeed can be, will still be found in all except the glorified. Nor will the diffusion of blessings from above and the repression of decay destroy the consciousness that the principle of physical corruption is still lurking in every created thing. Death, the last enemy, is not to be destroyed until the thousand years are finished. The reign of Christ over men in this earth will indeed make manifest the wonderful resources of his grace and power in remedying sorrow and subduing evil. It will prove that the natural and providential and spiritual blessings of God so abused in the dispensations that have proceeded can be used, even in this now groaning earth, for his glory and for the benefit of those for whose sake they are given. It will be seen how different the condition of human life is when the plans by which Satan has hindered human happiness will be supplanted by agencies which God will introduce for blessing, and the wisdom and goodness of Christ will be known in contrast with the evil which, under unregenerate man, has hitherto destroyed the earth. The millennium also will be the great harvest time of the earth, when millions of unconverted souls will, through the gospel, be gathered into the garners of God. Nevertheless, the millennium will not be a scene of perfect or everlasting blessing, and nothing that is not perfect can satisfy God. It will afford another attestation to the truth of the Lord's own saying that new wine must not be put into old bottles. The blessings of redemption are not finally to be connected with anything that is not new. Therefore, the millennial heavens and the millennial earth pass away, and no place is found for them. And he that sitteth on the throne will say, Behold, I make all things new, and new heavens and a new earth will be created, wherein righteousness dwelleth, and into which the holy city, the bride of the Lamb, will descend. It will be a scene into which Satan will never enter. 
No apostasy will be there, no repression of evil, no remedial agency against sorrow, for there will be no grief to be soothed, no sickness to be remedied, no sin to be restrained. All will be instinct with life, all made worthy of him and his glory, who is not as the first Adam, earthy, but who is the second man, the Lord from heaven. And if the first heavens and earth made in connection with the first Adam be glorious, what shall be the excellency of that which shall be made in suitability to him who is the eternal Son of the Father, God over all, blessed forever. And you can find out more about B.W. Newton if you Google him online. Unfortunately, it seems that only one ministry in the UK has reprinted his books, and they're not available to read online, only if you order the actual physical books, which is what has motivated me to read these books myself and pray about how to share the most important parts of his teaching with this generation. Okay, that's it for now. It's been great being with you. Thanks once again to Daniel Clark there down under in Queensland, Australia. That was great talking with him. Well, let's stay looking forward to the millennium all the way to the end of the show as we go out with this classic from Jerry Palladino. God bless you. Bye-bye.
Play. 